You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1004 of the Lots on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Sunday evening. And today's podcast is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the Locker Room app from the iOS app store to find one of our Locked on Rooms. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. Today's show will focus on what became a fantastic win for the Hawks, going up 3-1 in the series against the Knicks, 113-96 to at home at State Farm Arena. And honestly, it was a pretty impressive performance overall, but especially after halftime in the third quarter, the Hawks scored 35 points in the third to sort of break things open, and they kind of cruised from there, and uh, there was actually some garbage time in this game, which is always impressive if you're on the winning end of that in a playoff game when the benches are in, the third string units really at the end of the game, that's always a good sign. Lots of balance and quality defense as well, so I talked about them, strong effort, and now the Hawks are in a great position with regard to the series. Um, as we always do, we'll dive into the game, sort of pre-game, and then we'll go through blow-by-blow blow of what transpired and then some takeaways at the end of the podcast. Nothing really changed pre-game with regard to Game 3 to Game 4. Obviously, kind of a quick turnaround, about 36, 40 hours or so between games. Um, but other than the Nerlens Noel injury status, and he was sort of limited, he did, he did play in this game, but it was the only sort of personnel tweak slash change of any kind on either side. And our friends at BetOnline.ag actually made the Hawks five-point favorites by tip-off, which they covered with ease down the stretch. Before we get to the game and the blow-by-blow, as we always do today on the road to the finals, our NBA playoff coverage is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. At 2.6 carb, 95 calories, we can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. And we'll dive in now to the first quarter and beyond. And honestly, it was pretty ugly in the opening six minutes, even the entire first quarter of this game. The Hawks were only 2 of 9 at the outset, and even at the first break, they were only 6 of 14, which isn't too, too bad. But they also had five turnovers in the first six minutes, which is a very, very ugly pace in terms of ball security. And the Hawks were winning at that point. It was 13-9 Atlanta because New York was 4-14 from the floor with no offensive rebounds, and they were pretty unsightly offensively as well. Um, the one bright spot in the first six minutes was Trey Young, who accounted for all 13 points for Atlanta. Seven points, three assists for Trey, who was uh, fantastic again in this game. Um, after that timeout, they got John Collins involved with a design post-up, it felt like. That was a good possession. He, he, was, he was able to score on that. He was actually quite good in this game. Also, um, rotationally, it was a lot of the similar stuff, with one exception that we'll get to in a second, but it was Herder and Gallinari as the first subs, and they brought in Solomon Hill and Okongwu together with about four minutes to go. That was earlier than they had been even in the first two games. They had not gone to that lineup quite as early in the first quarter. It was Trey plus the bench. At that point in time, there was a nice three-point play by Gallinari when he uh, actually got the dribble and created a mismatch and was able to score through contact on that one. But still, the offense was kind of sputtering a little bit. Even Trey had his probably worst stretch. Um, he had some settle shots at the end of the first quarter from three before he went and sat down. And the Hawks were actually one of ten at one point from three in the first quarter before they actually finished two of twelve. But uh, the only point of real controversy in a game that was pretty comfortable after this, um, I have to talk about it in a second, just because it actually happened and it was in my notes. Um, the Hawks went back to the full bench unit, which is not a decision that I thought was very wise. Um, about 2.34 to go in the first quarter. The Hawks were leading by, uh, leading by three points, 20-17, and they went to the full bench. Um, you know, they didn't do that at all in game three. 
and they didn't do it all in the second half of game four, which is which is wise. But um, they were minus four in that two and a half minute stretch, and honestly, it almost was worse than that. R.J. Barrett hit a three that was just barely waved off at the end of the quarter, and in order to get to that minus four only, they had a nice Gallinari ISO and a Solomon Hill three, which you can't really bank on necessarily. So it could have been worse, but even even still, the Hawks were minus four, and I don't know why they did that. Um, that was not a good decision that I thought. Obviously, didn't bite them. I don't want to dwell on it too much, but I will be interested to see if McMillan goes back to the full bench in Game 5, if nothing else. At any rate, the Hawks sort of avoided disaster in the first quarter. They were only down by one, despite some really uneven shooting. Again, 2 of 12 from 3 in the opening period. Um, Trey actually missed 1 of 6 on his own. Um, Capella was good, though. And 24 of the first 26 points from the Knicks were Randall, Barrett, and Rose. And both teams just kind of struggled to score on the whole in that first quarter. To the second quarter quickly before we get to uh, you know the rest of the fireworks after halftime. They did bring back Capella and Bogdanovich up in the second quarter, so the full bench unit did not stay on very long. And then uh, pretty quickly, the Knicks actually led by five out of the gate in the second quarter, and then there was a 9-0 run by the Hawks in 57 seconds, and it came with three threes. Bogdanovich had a massive shot um, when things were wavering a little bit offensively. It was actually kind of a weird deflection that got the ball. It sort of went sky high and then ended up being kicked to him for a three, and then Gallinari hit one, and then Herter hit one. That was a, that was a big swing because the Hawks were 2 of 14 from three at that point, and then they made three in a row to sort of stabilize things. Uh, Trey actually sat for a long time, almost seven minutes, uh, they were dead even in those minutes because of the three-point shooting. Um, I'm not sure they played very well in that run. In fact, I know they probably didn't, but they, sh- they finally made some shots that was able to sort of hold the line with Trey on the bench. And then once he came back in, he had a personal 6-0 run with, th- with a three-point play and then a three of his own and uh, was giving it to Taj Gibson the entire game. That was one that I noticed and tweeted out, but he was... Uh, Jawing with Taj quite a bit in this game. He was actually asked about that Trey was after the game. He sort of gave, sort of just saying he was having fun out there playing basketball. But it seemed like he was intentionally going at Gibson even more than the others. Um, which, you know, it's a, it's a playoff series. There's definitely some juices flowing on both sides of the uh, of this one. At any rate, uh, the Knicks did have one little mini flurry with a 6-0 run, take the lead. McMillan called timeout. And then uh, during that run, it was actually a hiccup by Capella, who was good in this game, but not in this stretch. He had two, two missed free throws, then turned it over on a pass that should have been very easy to DeAndre Hunter. That was a bad decision by Clint. But if out of that out of that timeout, to stop the bleeding, the Hawks had another massive run. An 8-0 run in 40 seconds. <laughs> so they had the 9-0 earlier in less than a minute, and then an 8-0 later in the second quarter, with Collins hitting a big shot out of the timeout. Then uh, a corner three, that was a corner three, by the way, off a nice pass by Bogdanovich. Then Trey found Collins for a dunk, and then Bogdanovich hit a three that was in transition, just kind of let it fly, and the Hawks went from down one to up seven, and they never trailed again. So, uh, Trey gets called for his third foul, actually, on a pretty bad decision by him defensively to foul Randall. Uh, it wasn't like the biggest contact, but just didn't need to close out as hard as he did there. He ended up sitting for the final 82 seconds of the first half, but the Hawks were able to sort of hang on up by four, and a lot of that was three-point shooting. They had six threes in the second quarter after uh, not playing very well, not shooting very well anyway in the first quarter, um, but still sort of a defense-charged first half. They held the Knicks down to less than a point per possession in the first half. That was huge. Trey had 15, uh, Collins had 11 and five, and then Gallinari actually played very well in this game overall, and he had nine in the first half. Of the contest. Uh, before we get into the second half and especially the memorable third quarter run for Atlanta, a word from our sponsors on today's podcast, and the first of which is Indeed. Imagine you're the hiring expert for your company. What you really need is to make your shortlist of quality candidates. You need a hiring partner who makes your life easier, and you need Indeed. 
Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three, post-screening interview all on Indeed. Get your quality shortlist of candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description faster. Only pay for the candidates that meet your must-have qualifications and schedule and complete your video interviews in your Indeed dashboard. Indeed makes connecting with and hiring the right talent fast and easy. With tools like Indeed Instant Match, which gives you quality candidates whose resume on Indeed fits your job description immediately, and Indeed Skills Test that on average reduce hiring time by 27%. You can choose from more than 130 skills tests or add your own, then add your must-have requirements so that you only have to pay for your applications that meet them. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all the other job sites combined. If you're hiring, you need Indeed. Get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash locked. Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash locked. Indeed.com slash locked. Offer valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply. Today's show is also brought to you by the good folks at Built Bar. Built Bar is wonderful, as I always say on the podcast, but what is your favorite Built Bar flavor? Did you know that Built Bar has nine delicious flavors, plus the occasional limited time flavor, and... When you talk about Built Bar, it's always a passionate thing for people that really enjoy their own flavors. And if you don't know the flavors, you're really missing out. It's coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, and many more. There's something for everyone. And my favorite flavor right now, anyway, I have many favorites, to be honest with you. But right now, I'm really loving the peanut butter brownie. That's just one that I'm really enjoying. I like to dive into that as much as possible. I always uh, talk about how much I enjoy Built Bar, and that is the one that I am diving into at this moment in time. If you haven't tried the flavors, though, get a mixed box right now where you get two of each of the nine available flavors at this moment in time. And not only are the Built Bar flavors fantastic, they're also very healthy. Most flavors have 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar, only 4 grams of net carbs, and a couple others have even more protein if you enjoy that kind of thing. Order today, get that raspberry mint brownie or whatever you would like, and if you do it in the near future, you go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, 15% off your first order with Built Bar. Use promo code LOCKED15, 15% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, and the most fun period of the day for the Hawks was the third quarter. Um, as I said at the top of the podcast, they scored 35 points. That was obviously uh, going to be enough to make a big run against this Knicks team. But it started out right away. It was a 10-2 run out of the halftime break to go up by 12. That was a largely of the, of the game at that point in time. Um, a nice swing early out of the gate with Barrett missing a pretty open three and then Trey making one to have sort of a six-point swing there. And then Trey hit a pretty long two, like a tough shot, to go up by nine. And then after they exchanged buckets, DeAndre Hunter went on a, had a three-point play at the rim with a, big, with a big flex to go up by 12. From there, out of a timeout... They went up to 15-5 overall because John Collins scored five points in a row for the Hawks. The first one was a pretty, a pretty tough jump shot. That was a possession that had to be demoralizing for the Knicks. They had played great defense, honestly, on, on that trip. But then Collins did a pretty tough long two over Randall. And then after that, Young finds him on the next, next possession for a three. And suddenly the Hawks dropped by 14 points after uh, not really dominating to that point. I think the Hawks in the first half did not play terribly, but certainly had some chances to extend the lead more. Um, in that third quarter, though, they kind of blew it open right away. Now, the last and really only point of resistance for the Knicks in the, in the second half was a 7-0 run out of that timeout to get the lead back down to 7. But from there, it was all Hawks again. A nice verticality play by Collins on Randall to help to get a stop at the rim. Trey hits a big three to go by 15, and that was kind of it, honestly, in retrospect. Um, there was a, a, a good challenge by McMillan. Um, Collins actually got called for a foul at the rim on Randall. The foul pretty clearly should have been on Randall. That was a good challenge by, by McMillan. Um, it was overturned. He won that one. That was Randall's fourth foul. And, of course, it swung the foul the other direction. Collins, though, got hit in the lip 
by Randall had to have stitches, um, he, which the Hawks said during the game, and also he um, confirmed after the game, had to go to the locker room, but ended up coming back. Seemed to be fine, sort of in a pretty good mood after, after the game, except for the pain I'm sure that he was feeling in his mouth. But uh, that was a big swing. Um, they actually had a nice, a nice pass by Young to a Kongwu, who had just come in for some free throws. That w- put the Hawks up by 17 points. That was a largely of the game at that point in time. The Knicks did kind of battle a little bit, but then two huge threes by Bogdanovich in the final minute. The last one with three seconds to go and a massive crowd pop, including a nice eruption from Bogdanovich himself. Uh, I would say a major onions moment from Bogdanovich to go up by 88-71 at the end of the third. The Hawks hit five threes and were 10 of 10 at the free throw line in the third quarter. That is massive. Part of that was that Young and Bogdanovich both played the entire third quarter, um, which is, you know, that's what you do in the playoffs in a lot of ways. You know, it's the same thing that happened w- um, in the game in game three. Bogdanovich ended up staying in the, for the fourth as well to start the fourth quarter off, so they had no time in the second half with both guys off the court. That was a nice adjustment from the first half. But the Hawks up 17 there, obviously in a massive uh, I, was, I would say a massively favorable spot after three quarters. Not over at that point, but certainly it was in retrospect. Then the fourth, they broke it up even more. It was a 9-3 to run to open the fourth quarter, even with Trey Young on the bench. Again, they left Bogdanovich in, but they brought Lou back in to uh, start the fourth quarter. There was a weird um, sort of review with Kevin Herter, who was called for a flagrant one for a, quote, non-basketball action, end quote. That call was not my favorite, um, considering the fact that Noel's been kind of going crazy this entire series, and uh, that was not too egregious. It was kind of just a weird play. I get maybe why they called it. I just didn't love that review. At any rate, Herter got it back a few a few plays later with a big three to go up by 21, and then Gallinari had a dunk, which was a pretty fun moment after a nice pass by Bogdanovich. They kind of just lost him under the rim. It was basically over from there at 23. Um, the last you know six minutes or so was probably garbage time for the most part. The Hawks led by as many as 26. Um, there was a technical foul by Reggie Bullock, with about three and a half minutes to go, where he kind of was like going toward the Hawks bench into a break. That was kind of a weird moment from Reggie. I don't know why the starter stayed in there. That was a question that I was posing in real time. McMillan, uh, you know, certainly is going to be himself, but they didn't need to have Trey back on the court there, up 25, 26 points with three and a half minutes to go. They only played about, you know, 40 more seconds to be to be fair, but that was kind of weird because when they were still out there, um, Randall kind of blew through Gallinari in a live action for a flagrant foul. Uh, that was a bizarre play. That was at least enough to get Mone to go to the bench. They went to a lineup that comprised of uh, Skylar Mays, Chris Dunn, uh, who has not played in a long time, uh, Nathan Knight, Akongwu. Uh, there was, uh, you know, it was kind of just a, a bench clearing moment at the end. And even after all that, the Hawks won the second half 60 to 47. So they won up by 13 points. And that was honestly misleading because the Hawks were actually minus nine after Knight and Mays came in. So they really were just kind of bludgeoning the Knicks. They were up by 22 points in the second half until that late garbage time section. So obviously a pretty dominant half of basketball from Atlanta. And as many have said, uh, I'm not the first person to say this, the Hawks probably should have won this game even more comfortably if they just played a little bit better in the first half because the Knicks just had no answers once again. Offensively, we'll start there. The Hawks scored more than 1.2 points per possession for the entire game. And I know they had 11 turnovers for the game, which isn't, like, incredible. It's still probably better than their normal average. They were very, very, very good at ball security after the first six minutes. So they had had a bunch of turnovers in that first five, six minutes of the game. And to finish with 11, that's pretty impressive from the rest of that point forward. They actually took more free throws than the Knicks did in this game after the massive disparity in Game 3. The Hawks had 28 free throws against only 23 for the Knicks. Nothing nothing crazy there, but certainly took advantage of those. Also, they, they were 26-28 from the free throw line. The only misses were, were, were by Capella, which is not surprising, but still uh, very uh, efficient there at the line for Atlanta. 
after the first quarter, the Hawks were 13 of 27 from three after that two for 12 start. So not a crazy shooting night overall for Atlanta, but given the slow start, to finish the night with 39% from the three from three and about 60%-ish true shooting, that's uh, very nice against a good Knicks defense. They won the glass for the first time in the series. They, they didn't dominate it by any means, but they definitely got the better of offensive and defensive rebound rates, so that's very, very positive as well. And then defensively, the Knicks just can't score still. Um, even with that garbage time, it's helped them a little bit. They had about a 103 offensive rating for the game, and ironically, that is the same as where they are for the full series. So through four games... The Knicks have a 103.1 offensive rating. Now, that is like, especially in the in, with the way the league's been going this year, that's like worse than the league bad offensively. That's terrible. And the Hawks should be given some credit for that. Now, part of that unquestionably is that the Knicks are not very good offensively, which is a point that I was making before the series even started. It was weird to me, but, you know, I just didn't have any fear about the Hawks' defense in the series, and that seems to be the case because, you know, obviously Randall's been worse than expected for sure. Um, and so is Barrett, but still, the Hawks have just had no problem getting stops on a pretty regular basis in the series, So, and that kind of backs up by the, again, 103 defensive rating. If you told me that was the case through four games, I might have told you it was going to be a sweep, just because the Hawks have a pretty good offense. So, uh, obviously in great position there, but defensively, they've been very good the entire series. And by the way, to that point about Randall, Julius Randall, who might be All-NBA third team this year, is shooting 27.4% for the series through four games. I'll be the first to tell you that Randall had a great year, uh, but man, that is wildly bad. Um, and, you know, the Hawks get some credit for that, to be sure, but man, he's been terrible. Uh, finally, Barrett found himself a little bit in this game. He had 21 points, but for the most part, um, Derrick Rose has been the only guy that's really given them a bunch of fits. Um, and even then, Rose's defense is pretty poor, so the fact that they had to play Rose so much really helps the Hawks offensively because that they, they, they kind of have to hide him a little bit. Pros and cons, but the Hawks are uh, playing quite well, and it's really a two-sided thing. It's like, you know, the offense has been good at times, but defensively, again, they've been nails the entire series, and that's been huge in accumulating this 3-1 lead. Okay, before we get to the individual stuff and look ahead a little bit to the rest of the series, a word from our sponsors on today's show, and the first of which is BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the easiest and the fastest way to bet on all of your sports action. Baseball season is definitely here and in full swing. You can track all the action at BetOnline.ag. Plus, in addition to baseball, the NBA playoffs are here, as you're listening to all the time on this podcast. And uh, beyond that, all the latest news, odds, and info for all of your sporting needs. Of course, you have MLB and NBA, and you have NHL, UFC, MMA, golf, tennis, auto racing, horse racing, entertainment bets, all that you can think of. It's all there at BetOnline.ag. Before the next pitch or dribble, head on over to Bet Online on your laptop and mobile device. Check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information that you can find all in one place. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game and get in on the action. Head to the website now or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with BetOnline.ag. That's a 50% welcome bonus if you use the promo code Locked On. The promo code, one more time, is Locked On for a 50% welcome bonus with the site on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, we'll go through the individual players that contributed in this game for Atlanta, and it was a lot of positives, once again, as you might imagine, for what was a nice performance overall. I will go to the bench first. I'm going to ignore, uh, with all due respect, to to Nate Knight and Chris Dunn and Skylar Mays. That was full-blown garbage time, so we'll kind of breeze by those guys. It was good to see those guys play, though. Uh, definitely cool to have Skylar and Nate in particular get in for their first playoff action. Uh, Chris Dunn's a vet, but he's not been on a, a lot of good teams in his career either. So that's cool to have those guys take the floor, even in relatively meaningless basketball. At the end, 
and the guys who played the least other than them. Uh, Solomon Hill played seven minutes, really just that one stint in the first half, but had three points. It was actually had a big shot during that run. Uh, two rebounds and an assist did his job. He was minus 10, but that was also part of that late run that did not mean anything. Um, Lou Williams played 11 minutes, actually didn't score, but was plus 11. That's kind of funny, but uh, that was uh, in part because of the big runs that he had, obviously not a huge part in, but had three assists. I thought Lou played fine. Took, I think he took one bad shot, but other than that, um, I thought he was okay. Uh, had, a, had a steal as well, was relatively active. You definitely see with Lou, um, he's not a good defender still, but you definitely have seen uh, his most intensity possible defensively in this series. It's definitely like, like lights come on and he's competing. He's not going to ever be good, but you can definitely see that that uh, pros. I'm not sure I've said that on the podcast just yet, so I want to make sure I noted it. Uh, it's not a small difference if you see him. He's down in a stance and competing in a way he doesn't usually necessarily in a regular season. Akongwa, I thought, was okay. 11 minutes, was minus 8. Um, part of that was uh, that first that, that first quarter run with the full bench unit, but had 2.3 rebounds, made both free throws at, at the free throw line, had three fouls, was pretty active defensively. Um, again, I think offensively is actually where he's really... Um, not ready in the playoffs right now. Uh, and then on defense, I think he's been generally fine. But uh, there you go on that. And then you get into the top seven guys who played the majority of the minutes. Uh, 25 minutes for Kevin Herter, who was, again, quite good in this game. Herter's had a great series. Uh, the numbers are not off the charts by any means in terms of like the raw scoring totals and all that stuff. But he's been so good, I think, for the Hawks on both ends of the floor. Plus 13, had 11 points, 3 rebounds, and an assist in this game in 25 minutes. 4-7 from the floor, 3 of 5 from 3. He's bombing from long range, uh, playing good defense, and just like doing all that they could possibly ask him to do in that role. Uh, Gallinari had a good game, hit by far his best of the series. 21 points, 4 rebounds, and an assist. Had a block shot, um, plus 17. 6 of 9 from the floor and 1 of 4 from 3, which isn't like ridiculous, but 5 of 5 on 2s is very impressive, and 8 of 8 at the free throw line. Gallinari was a mismatch nightmare for the Knicks in this game. He took advantage of those, and I thought he played quite well off the bench. To the starters, uh, DeAndre Hunter was, was, was pretty quiet, but it's just good to have him. I think McMillan talked about this after the game as well. Just having him available allows him to do a lot of different things, and that's been night and day to the regular season, especially defensively. There's They can play a different way with Hunter available. And again, he wasn't great by any means offensively in this game, but five points, two rebounds, had a block shot, and was plus seven in 28 minutes. Not going to jump off the screen, but if you watch him, he just does a very, he's just very solid. And then defensively, he helps them out quite a bit. Um, the other guys who were in support in this game, but Donovan was actually a game best plus 29, which is crazy, in 35 minutes, uh, the most minutes on the team. But 12 points, 8 rebounds, actually. So tying for number two on the team in that stat. Six assists, also number two on the team. Uh, two, uh, two steals. I thought he was pretty active um, shooting wise. You know, he obviously hit four of nine from three, which is all you can ask for, including some huge ones along the way. Oh, of two on twos, so not like an off-the-chart scoring game, but very well-rounded. I thought he played well, and uh, good to see him sort of settling in even more. And then we'll end with the three guys that are uh, usually at the top of the billing in terms of this game. Uh, Capella had 10 points, 15 rebounds, and two assists in th 28 minutes. Plus 19, they were able to sort of pedal off him late, which is good. Save, that, save those bullets for Capella, if you can do it, at the end of the game. And then defensively, man, he's just so good. He's been anchoring them all season, all, all series long. He had one little hiccup of a stretch in this game where he had a couple free throw misses and had some uh, shaky offensive moments. But defensively, man, he's been a rock, and they're trying to avoid him. And that's been very much helpful to the rest of the team and their scheme stuff. John Collins was awesome. In this game, by far his best game of the series. I thought I thought he was pretty good in game one as well, but 22 points 
Eight rebounds, six of ten from the floor, eight of eight from the free throw line, two of three from three. And he did all that while leaving the game because of the of the laceration in the stitches. He probably would have had even sort of an even bigger game than this if he was able to play throughout that. He, he, he did come back, so no, no concerns there. But I thought Collins was quite good defensively, making a bunch of plays, um, just you know walling off verticality, just getting in the way and doing uh, sort of help side stuff and being very active and then offensively finishing and shooting the ball well, especially from the corner. So a good night for John overall. And then Trey Young, who was again awesome in this game. I'm sort of a broken record here, but 27 points, nine assists. Um, didn't have it going like in terms of efficiency, like crazy off the charts here. He was nine of 21 from the floor, four of 14 from three. Th- those are not that bad. Uh, the four of 14 from three is obviously not, not what you want, but five seven on twos is totally fine. Got the line five times, um, and the nine assists speak for themselves. His passing has just been tremendous in the entire series. He is basically unguardable for the Knicks. Um, I kind of knew that coming in. You know, Jared Dubin famously on this podcast said that he kind of thought that Trey had figured out the Knicks defense. It, does, it seems that way through four games. Uh, some stats uh, on Trey, by the way, not even just from today, but the, the entire series. He is the first player in Atlanta Hawks history to score 20 or more, 20 more points in his first four playoff games. Uh, franchise history is actually Lou Hudson back. Uh, he actually had five games in a row of that back in St. Louis, but still that goes that goes without saying. And then an NBA, NBA wide stat, Trey's only the fourth player in the history of the NBA playoffs to average 25 and 10 in their first four playoff games. So some elite company there. Trey has been remarkable in this series. And even then, you know, again, we, we heard some stuff I even brought up on the last podcast. The Knicks, I, I thought they might try to target him a little bit more offensively. And maybe they, had, they did a few different times in this game, but he's not killed them defensively. And I think part of that is the Knicks being a little bit stubborn, but Trey's been competing. He's been in the way. He's doing a little, he's doing the little stuff. He's playing very, very well. And the fact that he had 27 points, 33 minutes and you know, the minute stuff is weird. Like I, I'm not a fan of the bench unit. Hopefully that doesn't come back in game five, but they rode them when they needed to. And then because the game was so uh, far out of reach, they got to pull off at the end and the Hawks now have two days off before game five. So uh, minutes should not be a huge issue and they can play more, I'm sure, than they have in this game. But again, Trey has been awesome and the Hawks have been awesome so far in the series. So obviously a raucous environment over the weekend in Atlanta. Sweeping at home is huge for for the Hawks. And with all of that said, the Hawks are quite obviously in a great position for the series. I'm going to give you a couple numbers here at least one number uh, that will tell you a little bit. I've not seen anybody else update their projections, but 538 is always doing this in real time. I mentioned this to you after the game on Friday, but they've now updated. 538 has the Hawks at 95% to advance at 3-1. Now, I will be the first to tell you this, and this is not just my Atlanta sports brain speaking. This series is not over. Are the Hawks a huge favorite in the series? Yes. Should they be a huge favorite in the series? Yes. They're, in my mind, the better team, and they have a 3-1 lead. So, with that said, they should win the series. Don't hear what I'm not saying. But it's not over, both because, you know, anything can happen. The Knicks have two home games. If they get some momentum in Game 5, anything can happen. I think the Hawks are going to win the series. I think the Hawks are extremely likely to win the series. I'm just saying I would not uh, just act like it's over, because it's not. Again, the Hawks are the better team. They're going to win the series, I think. But, uh... Keep your, keep your guard up a little bit. This is Atlanta sports at the end of the day, but I think the Hawks are in a great spot. Obviously, everyone knows that at this point in time. But worth saying out loud that uh, even a uh, unbiased projection system will tell you 95% chance. I think all of them will probably be in the high 80s or higher in terms of the projection systems at this point in time. Betting market will be the same thing. So we will see what happens, but that's where we are at this point on Sunday evening. Again, game five is not, not until Wednesday, so a long break here. They do have to travel back to New York. But um, a two full, two full days off after an afternoon, so really you know, two and a half days off after the afternoon game, and the Hawks will be back in action 
on Wednesday. I will have at least one more podcast between now and then. So stay tuned. Please subscribe to the podcast, but it'll be up probably on Tuesday, either overnight or uh, sometime midday on Tuesday. Hopefully it'll be where I am sort of aiming for the next podcast. But the best place to do that is to subscribe to the show, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts. It's been a little bit weird lately, but if you have that subscription, we should be up and running there as well. Odyssey app, TuneIn Radio, wherever you like the podcast, you can definitely find us there. Also, I've been tweeting out the direct link to our Megaphone page. That is the host site that we use, and you can find the shows immediately when I post them. Some of the, some, sometimes the uh, subscription services take a little bit of time to actually get there, but um, they'll always be on Megaphone immediately when I drop it on the site. So, thank you, as always, for listening to the podcast. Hawks up 3-1 and heading to New York, so we'll have continuing coverage of that in the next couple of days. Subscribe, tell your friends, tell your family, all of that fun stuff, and we will see you next time.